Hello, dear listeners. I'm happy to have you back. It is May, of course, and we have our special guest, Million Bueta. She's an English teacher who moved from South Africa to another country, which she will tell you more about later on, in her 30s. And she is here to share with you about her personal journey. Sometimes it's easier to keep ourselves contained in a box. And with all the things that we heard and believed to be true about ourselves, we continue to be our own enemies. How sad is that? But actually, that is a reality that sometimes we just don't notice. If you want to take that leap into a life you want, go for it. As Million and many other expats know, the transition isn't always smooth. But focusing on your path and letting go of your fear of failure will help you get to where you want to be. So, Million, please tell us more. Okay, so um, as you mentioned, I'm from South Africa originally. I'm from uh, sort of the Johannesburg, which is sort of one of the cities. And I kind of grew up in the suburbs of Johannesburg. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a teacher and I also have my own business that does like uh, teacher support and tech coaching because I'm a big nerd um, and I like technology. So I moved from South Africa about eight years ago now. Um, So I was teaching in South Africa in the government system. And I heard about this position in the United Arab Emirates where they hire um, foreign teachers to teach English in their government schools. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of been doing that. I've had a few promotions here and there in between, but that's sort of the main part of why I came here is to start teaching here from my position in South Africa. So in the United Arab Emirates, everybody kind of knows it as the country of Dubai. Um, I think that's what most people connect to this country with. I don't live in Dubai per se. I live in a city called Al Ain, which Mm -hmm. is about an hour away. And it's actually quite nice because it's a little smaller. So it's still, uh, it's, it makes it a little easier. It was, I think it's a slightly easier adjustment uh, moving into a city that's slightly smaller. So it's not quite as overwhelming. Wow. And that is a big shift from, you know, where you were from and coming into UAE. Um, I know that you found a position in UAE, but what made you decide that, okay, I'm going to take that? And why not some some else where it's, you know, closer to where you were? Yeah, I think it was a different look. I have to say, coming from South Africa, um, I think most countries across the world teaching is a profession of the heart, not of the wallet. (laughs) So uh, financially, um, teaching in the UAE is probably... At that time, it was probably the the best salary offer, but a big draw card for me of why I decided to move to United Arab Emirates was really about quality of life mm-hmm. for my family. Um, South Africa is an amazing, beautiful country with wonderful people, but it does have a lot of problems uh, with crime, with corruption, with service delivery, and... Um, A big catalyst was actually, I was kind of deciding because it is a big deal to uproot your whole family. Mm -hmm. And actually my daughter was at the park with her little school group and they got actually got held up at gunpoint with her teacher. Oh my God. Um, Middle of the morning, 10 a.m. in the local suburban park. 
And that was kind of like the final thing for me to say, you know what, mm -hmm. I'm going to try to find the country that is the safest <laughs> mm -hmm. that I can find. Um, if I have, if I can pursue that opportunity, then I'm going to do it, you know, and it was also about just uh, quality of life for my kids, not just from the safety perspective, but also just about opportunities. You know, if you live here, you have the opportunity to travel a bit more. Um, whereas in South Africa, if you're a teacher in a government school, mm. you know, you don't really have the financial means or the time and the, all of this to travel and do things. And I think the United Arab Emirates is very good with that. Like you do give your kids a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. So, but it is, yeah, it was vastly different. <laughs> the two wow. countries are extremely different, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, I haven't been to any of these, you know, two countries, but I agree that UAE gives a lot of these um, opportunities because I myself have a lot of relatives who are working there and mm -hmm. there are just so many Filipinos, even my classmates and uh, people from different, you know, parts of life uh, that I met throughout, you know, my twenties. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I know that a lot of them are working in UAE, definitely. Yeah, even one of my very close colleagues who teaches with me is Filipino, and wow. she also works. She's an English teacher alongside me, um, mm -hmm. so it's a great mix. I think that's what I love about the UAE is that in my children's school, I think there's about eighty different nationalities. So it's also really nice that um, my kids can grow up in a country where they get exposed to a lot of different cultures, you know, which which is really good. You know, I, I, I really like that part of, of living here mm -hmm. is that they, the horizons are a bit broader. You mentioned to me earlier that there are probably a lot of situations that led to you uh, deciding that, okay, I'm finally going to move into UAE. But the last straw was that, you know, your kids or was it just, you know, your your daughter? My daughter, she was with uh, maybe four other little kids uh -huh. and her teacher. They were on a field trip in the local park looking at fish in the stream. Uh -huh. for their... <laughs> She was little. She was four years old at oh the time. Mm -hmm. So they were on just little sort of pre-K outing middle of the morning to the park mm -hmm. um, looking at the fish in the stream. And uh, someone robbed her, their teacher at gunpoint, you know. And um, I had to explain to my four-year-old why, like, the bad man wanted to take her teacher's stuff. You know, which is uh, which is a hard conversation to have mm -hmm. with 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 a small child. Mm -hmm. Wow, I can only imagine um, how it must have felt for you at the time. You know, it's trying mm -hmm. to explain it for uh, a young kid, and you know, not being there because it's a it's a field trip. Of course, they are going to be. Yeah, yeah. Mom wasn't there. You know, mom yeah. and dad were at work. So luckily, yeah. she had an amazing teacher who handled mm -hmm. it very well. Um, but the consequence was is that there were no more field trips, you know, because <laughs> uh -huh. obviously I wouldn't either, you know, if I was yes. that teacher, I wouldn't want to go out again either. And, and then it's just another opportunity that, you know, she sort of missed out on. But, you know, it was also a lot of other factors. That was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, yeah. But it, it was also a big part of it is just trying to pursue uh, a better quality of life and a better future uh, for myself and for my family. That was a big draw card, but it was still, it was very scary. Like, yeah, especially 
um, coming from South Africa, uh, people have a very, a lot of people have a very close mindset when it comes to living in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. You know, they associate a lot of negative things, especially, um, you know, my family were all predominantly Christian. So, you know, didn't have a lot of knowledge on Muslim people and they were very weary and, you know, um, and I had lots of people say, oh, you're crazy. You know, you're giving up the security. You've got a good government job. You know, your family is settled. Mm -hmm. You know, your your family is here, you know. Um, so now you're going to take your, your family to the unknown mm -hmm. risk. Like, what if it's a scam? You know, you know, oh. what if? What if what if they're just trying to get you there and they're going to sell you into slavery and all these crazy things, oh you know, um, and and you had to kind of I did my research and I looked up a lot of stuff. But then at one point, you just got to take a leap of faith and say, look, it all that might be true, but it also might not be true. And I also might be missing out on an opportunity. And if I'd listened to all the people in my life at that point who were looking out for me, mm -hmm. you know, but but it wasn't really <laughs> looking out for me in the right way, you know, and they were just going, no, 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 you know, don't do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> don't <understand>. move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they, they are really just worried about you genuinely, but at the same time, mm. you know, they are not in your shoes so you're actually the one who have this um, experience and you yourself know what you really want so i think that is a big factor in you uh becoming motivated to move to uae right yeah definitely and luckily you know i've always been quite an independent person so <laughs> i i sort of listened to everybody but i only I, the decision making was between myself and my husband you know it wasn't really other people weren't really involved in the mm -hmm. decision I'd let them express their opinion and then uh -huh. I'd sort of leave it at that mm -hmm. I see well I wanted to ask so since you and your husband is the you know are the one deciding on these uh, things what did uh, he say when you first opened up about this opportunity in UAE look he he initially he was also you know uh, skeptical just because you the salary is you know like it's it was you know it was a, a way bigger salary than what I was earning in South Africa and you think oh people just promising you things <laughs> and then <laughs> to get you over there um, but we did lots of research we watched lots of YouTube videos and I have to say he was very supportive you know mm -hmm. um, we had also become you know I think both of us especially um, like I mentioned to you I was like 30 when when we 30 32 when i made the move and mm -hmm. um you're quite settled in life then and you but you also start to sort of feel the the daily grind weighing on you mm -hmm. you know he was working a corporate job which kept him out of the house from six in the morning till seven eight o'clock at night mm -hmm. you know we were sort of making ends meet but not just just you know um so it he was i have to say was he was very supportive because i think he also realized the opportunities mm. you know that we would have if if we if we took a chance yes definitely i i understand that uh that was also his concern in the beginning but also it's it's valid and your worries are all valid but the good thing is you are both open to these opportunities and you really did the pre-work <laughs> to uh no you know... definitely yes so 
I, I can imagine, you know, from moving at the age of 30, like your friend said, you're already settled, you have mm. your family here and everything. What are the challenges uh, at the time, you know, when you moved at that age with two kids to a new country you've never been before? I think that that, that the biggest challenge as well is, I think when you travel uh, in your early 20s, um, you know, if you make a mistake, the mistake is just for you. Um, you know, um, if, if you make a choice to move to a foreign country and it doesn't quite work out, you're just disrupting your own life. Whereas if you make that decision when you're older and you have children, you're making <laughs> decisions for people who you have to look after. And if you make a mistake, um, it comes down on them, you know? So it, it was very scary because you really do worry about what if this is the wrong thing I've disrupted my children, I've disrupted their sense of security and a lot of guilt. You know, you feel a lot of guilt for um, taking your kids away from everything they know and love. You know, they were quite young. My youngest was two years old. My older daughter was four, um, especially for the four-year-old. You know, she was a little bit older. She had all her friends. She loved her school. You know, all the aunties and the cousins and the <laughs> uncle and the everybody. And then you're kind of pulling her away from all of that, you know. And um, and what was very hard, you know, South Africa, um, at that time, I th we couldn't get visas on arrival mm -hmm. uh, for the UAE. So what had to happen is I had to come here and stay here for a month or two while they process my husband and my kids visa, which could only start once I was in the country. So then I'm also not just going to move them out of the country, but I'm leaving them behind my, my little <laughs> kids with my husband. He was amazing, but you know, I had to leave them behind and come here by myself first. Mm -hmm. So not only are you leaving your country and you're leaving all your people behind, um, and dealing with all the change and the differences, but also you're just missing your family terribly, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and it it was really hard. And I just had to keep sort of saying, I'm thinking of the long-term benefits for them. You know, the short-term tears, especially from their side with adapting and changing, um, you know, will pay off hopefully in the long term. And, and it was also hard because I always tell new teachers, um, I mentored a lot of younger teachers here uh, over the years, and I always tell them, look, you're going to cry for the first year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just accept it. Like, accept that you're going to have a brief honeymoon period when you move into a new country where you think everything is amazing and you're still in awe with all the changes, especially in the UAE, everything is very shiny. Everything is very convenient. <laughs> um, but work is hard, you know, it's hard. And then you also, you go to work, it's really tough. You come home and then you've got your own kids who are also going through changes and tribulations uh, that you have to deal with. So, yeah, I kind of, yeah, I cried a lot <laughs> in my first year and sort of halfway through my second year and then, then it got much better. <laughs> but uh, I think anybody that um, says it's just easy, um, you know, I think Instagram, social media glamorizes moving overseas a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, you only see the good on social media and you don't always see that it is hard. It, it, it is, especially with your kids, it's incredibly difficult because their emotions, you feel responsible for them. 
you know, and for their sadness of missing home and missing their friends and uh, adapting to new schools, adapting to new people, you know, it, it, it can be very tough. Mm -hmm. I can understand that. It is a, a new challenge, a totally different world than what you're used to. And the thing here is it's not just you, right? It's the whole family. Mm. So as the main uh, topic of this uh, episode is, you know, finding uh, you, yourself, finding your, um, sorry, the main theme of this episode is about you finding yourself in a foreign situation, in a foreign land. So how did you survive or took control of your life in order for you to live as happily as you are today? Um, I think, uh, like I said, my first year or two was lots of tears. And I think a lot of those tears came from the fear of, um, you know, fear of failure. So I, I was initially, I think, especially as an expatriate, you're always worried, am I going to lose my job? And then, uh, you know, all the drama and the, the anxiety that goes with that. But, um, and, and I think I let the fear of failure govern me for a while. And what I also did is I kind of didn't lean into the foreignness of things. I kind of stuck in a little bubble, you know, initially. I was only friends with South Africans oh. that, that I knew here. I didn't really try lots of too many new things. You know, when I went to the supermarket, I tried to find brands that I kind of know about. Um, mm -hmm. But once I eased into sort of seeing all the wonderful opportunities that are here and trying all the new things, you know, and not being scared to uh, form friendships with people that are maybe a little bit different than me. I definitely got better. I remember um, I, as a person, I'm quite a, you know, I'm quite a helpful type of person. And when I started working here, I had a big personality clash at the beginning uh -huh. with um, my lead teacher at that time. And she told me, you shouldn't help people all the time. You know, you should just look after you. Mm -hmm. You need to just let them do what they need to do. Like, you're not going to make it if you do that. And initially, I, I kind of went against my personality. But later on, I decided, you know what, no, what? No, I'm going to help people. I'm going to. And, you know, by leaning into my personality and connecting with people one to one, I eventually got a promotion to lead teacher in that school and to district uh, supervisor for English. And I think it's because I stop letting go of the fear of failure and also started leaning into the strengths of my personality mm -hmm. and started realizing that especially um, in Arab culture, human connection, I think everywhere, but um, the Arab culture values personal connection very highly. You know, they value relationships. If you don't build a relationship, you're not going to get anything done with anybody. And um, I had to sort of learn the way of that it worked, but also definitely sort of not listen to people say, not try and change who I was to fit into the culture, but merely use the best part of what I can offer to connect with people. I think that's very important. Um, and uh, yeah, and letting go of that fear of if I mess up, it's the end. <laughs> because that's, that's, such a, that, that's such a scary feeling that that you have when you just move because now you've disrupted you've you know uprooted your whole family and then you think what if i mess up 
then I've got to uproot everybody again. But when I let go of that and I realized, no, you're okay. <laughs> you know what you're doing. You're good. Um, connected people, be nice, focus on relationships that you build in your workplace and with people and, you know, get out there then definitely it got a lot easier and my career and everything started becoming a lot more successful. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a good realization. Uh, but do you remember specifically what led to that realization itself? Like how did it change after a while that you have, you know, been um, holding out because you are uh, afraid to do something? What changed? Um, I think actually the, the one day where I'm not a confrontational person at all, I don't like fighting. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the one day where I actually had like, it, I think it was an American colleague of mine and we actually had like a proper shouting match, oh. you know, and um, I, I kind of in that moment, and I would never have done that in the past in that moment, I said, no, this is who I am. You know, this is what, is important to me and I'm not changing it. I'm sorry. No. And I, you know, I was so scared. Oh, she's going to go tell the school principal and I'm going to get in trouble because we yelled at each other, but actually no. And you know what, that next day, um, I, I sat in the car outside work and I kind of, in my first sort of reaction was, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm going to kind of slunk, slink into work, try and avoid her, <laughs> try and not make eye contact. And you know what, that, that I, I just, and then I said to myself, no, you know, like, um, Meline, no, you're not doing that. What you are doing is you're going to hold your head up high because what you stood up for is not something bad. That's you right. know, she has no, um, just because you feel like because she's been in the country a little bit longer, she has more authority. No, like, uh, and I remember that day I, I walked into work and I actually went to the principal and I said, look, I have this really good idea for something that I've been wanting to do for a while. Um, the other lady wasn't too keen, but can I tell you about it? Mm -hmm. And she was so impressed that she actually on that day sort of promoted me above <laughs> the other good lady, job. which, which was a little cringy because I felt really bad, but, um, I had to realize, no, like, um, I, I physically had to tell myself, no, stop hiding. You're not less than anybody else. And I think if you come from a country, that's not sort of the big, the big ones, you know, like Canada or America, uh, or maybe England, there's always this slight feeling of inferiority, you know, that maybe I'm not as good as these people. You know, um, mm -hmm. but you kind of have to say, no, I'm just as good. <laughs> I've got the stuff. I've proven it. Um, but I also have to say, like, that only came after about a year of I also had to give myself time to just ad adjust to the country, you know, mm -hmm. because that is yeah. also something that you got to be kind to yourself in the beginning and just give yourself some time. And then once you've adjusted to the big things, then you really need to start and hone in and say, don't change who you are um, or hide your light <laughs> to try and fit into what you think people want. Because I think that's a big mistake lots of people who move into other countries make is they kind of try and be what they think people want um, when what people actually just want is your genuine self, your, mm -hmm. your honest person. Wow. That is a good reminder, actually. When you think of 
adaptation you want to be you want to belong somewhere right and mm, mm. when you move to another country you want to blend in and <laughs> i don't know yeah. other people but i'm sure that some people don't want to stand out and you know by mm. blending in sometimes there is a clash between staying true to yourself versus what other people would rather you know see mm, um, mm. and and i think that um for for me for example coming from the philippines this is what i have mm. observed that whenever mm. we have a visitor let's say in the company or whenever we are outside and we see a foreigner namely white people mm. <laughs> um there is this um unspoken rule it's like there's uh, an inferiority that you see mm. from everyone mm. and then suddenly we are like oh i'm shy or i shouldn't say that or is that mm. polite there's so many things that comes you know mm. that goes through our mind that is it polite to do this blah 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 and people tend to um lay low and you know not let themselves shine because they think mm. that other nationalities must be um, better mm. I, mm. i don't mm. think that's the case at all but it's just this um thinking or mindset that we have and maybe Um, it's something that was that we we got from the past when we were you know conquered <laughs> by the Americans. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But, yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I noticed, and we tend to be more quiet. Um, I I came from a province that is known for people to be quite loud. <laughs> um, I know that people um some people who don't know about you know the the people in this province they mm. they always think that they are that we in general are arguing because of the shouting but then <laughs> suddenly there is a white person you know a foreigner and then suddenly you become this very quiet and gentle mm. <laughs> so yeah i i feel no, definitely i i i i think also it's a culture thing um you know like most south african people as a rule are not very don't like conflict you know they're not very argumentative people mm-hmm. um you know they'd rather be you know if they get the wrong order in the restaurant you know quite a few of them will probably just keep quiet and eat the oh, wrong really? sandwich <laughs> you know obviously there's always exceptions to every rule but um you know th- this this is generally south african people don't like to like cause drama and um but i had to this i kind of had to steal a little bit from my Amer- because when i moved uh, when i started working I was the only South African and everybody else in the off there was one lady from Ireland and everyone else was American. Mm-hmm. And um I had to you know kind of learn very quickly that uh, you know again I don't want to stereotype but most of my American colleagues were very loud about saying how good they are at something you know. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> take charge and I would kind of keep quiet and go no I'm not going to say I'm good at stuff you know that's not that's not right you don't <laughs> brag you know that's impolite you know um and but i learned i kind of had to steal that a little bit as um i have this little phrase in my head that goes no sometimes you need to be a little bit american you know mm-hmm. you need to be a little bit more sort of say what you think and say what you're good at um i think especially the saying what you're good at is very hard for a lot of cultures we we don't always want to step up for the boss you know and like you're saying in a meeting if there's someone from a country that's considered more you know better which no but <laughs> you know uh, it's nonsense but um 
you tend to defer to them. And I very quick, you know, I had to eventually say, no, like, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. uh, like, I respect your opinion, but my opinion is just as valid. You know, I'm sitting around the same type table. I have the same qualifications as you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need to sort of say what I think, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sometimes, especially we have better experience because we, um, I, you know, I can only unfortunately speak for um, teaching English mm-hmm. and working with teachers, um, foreign teachers. But, you know, if you're an expatriate that comes from a, a place, um, sometimes you have a better experience of how to help your customers or how to help teachers or students because, you know, you understand the feeling better than someone who comes with the confidence of coming from this country that's mm-hmm. amazing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, according to everybody. Yeah, that is true. We have our own experiences and mm. we're surrounded by different people. And the thing mm. with Americans, maybe it's maybe part of their culture that they are more assertive. Mm. And uh, I <laughs> I like that about them because I'm also learning a lot. But sometimes no, I know, definitely. Yeah. But sometimes <laughs> I feel a little bit um, taken aback by mm. the, the mm. straightforwardness that I'm getting. No, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, uh, it has definitely shaped me because, um, mm. and I'm saying this because I worked in an American company in the past and by yeah. working with a lot of oh, them, wow. I have mm. become that type of person as well. Uh, but it's against <laughs> my personality. So mm. I am clashing mm. a lot with who I am versus mm who I can be and what my, you know, how my colleagues are, but you know, we find balance, right? <laughs> mm. No, definitely. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head is balance is, I think stay who you are, but you know, you do have to be open to learn a, a skill here and there from someone. That's why you moved overseas is to expand your horizons and learn new things yeah. and, uh, you know, experience new things. So you've got a, um, I, I learned from, especially the Arab culture here, mm-hmm. initially I found it so frustrating um, because I'm quite a like get things done type of person. Mm-hmm. So um, my principal would give me a task. I would be whizzing out of her office, you know, and going to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And she would always insist, or I'd go to her office because there's something I want to get done urgently. And she would always insist we have to sit we have to have coffee. We oh. have to have a little chat. <laughs> we have to, it's very big Arab culture um, thing. Like mm-hmm. you, it's it's considered quite impolite to just go into someone's office and ask a question and leave, you know, or oh. just talk business. There's a lot of coffee and dates and snacks <laughs> <laughs> involved. Uh, and I found it so frustrating initially because I'm like, I just want to get stuff done. You know, mm-hmm. I just want to get stuff done. And my principal's always like, no, Miss Milan, why running? No need. No need running. <laughs> this is it. Um, and, but now actually I realized like it's, that was such an important thing that I learned is like just taking a few minutes to sit down with someone. And they also believe in a whole collaborative approach to meeting. So there's no such thing as a private meeting. I've never been in one. <laughs> in the UAE, <laughs> I'll be in a meeting with the principal or with a district head or whatever, and four or five people will be popping in during mm-hmm. that time. And then a little bit of side chat, someone might contribute what they think, they'd pop out, they'd pop in. It's very fluid. Mm-hmm. There's no like going to a boardroom, have your meeting and leave. Like it doesn't really happen. Wow. Um, but I learned from that, like 
it's actually, you know, there's no emergency so big in your work life that you can't afford to take a few minutes just to connect with someone and have a chat, mm -hmm. you know, and have some coffee or whatever, because you actually get more done because that relationship that you built, having those little coffees and chats makes things go a lot smoother, you know, when you want to get stuff done. And that's a big lesson that I learned, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I kind of went when I started in your productivity first and, and the Arab culture is not that. The Arab culture is relationships first. So that's definitely something that I, I think was a very good lesson I learned mm -hmm. um, from, from working here. Yes, and eight years later, here you are enjoying this coffee and snacks. Exactly, and now <laughs> I'm always, yeah, I'm always ready for coffee and dates and cookies. And obviously, the pandemic, the coffee and dates and cookies stopped, <laughs> and they're slowly starting to come oh. back again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you must. But be uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but it's it's definitely yeah, and and I have to say, it's it's definitely I I don't regret for one minute that I made that choice eight years ago mm. um, I don't regret it for my children and I don't regret it for my career I've learned some hard lessons along the way but it's it's definitely been worthwhile definitely mm -hmm. that's great I'm, I'm happy that you are getting the um, results <laughs> and you're happy with the decision you made um, is there um, are there similarities that you find between South Africa and UAE that you really appreciate? I think, um, you know, the South Africans, if you've ever met, meet a South African, um, they'll probably start talking about braai, which is barbecue within the first 10 minutes. Like South Africans, <laughs> we love to barbecue. Um, and it's such a big part of our identity. Um, and I actually living here, living here, I just that every culture has barbecue. You know, every culture puts meat on a fire in some way. Um, <laughs> and and, it, and I think because everyone connects that way. And I, and, I, and I love the similarities here is that food brings everybody together, you know. Um, whether it's my Filipino uh, colleague and I sort of, sharing which latest snack from the Arab bakery is the best <laughs> or uh, whether it's having a barbecue in the desert with lots of different people or whether it's um, having sort of an Arabic style thing and and that connecting over food and and thing is something that I found not just the similarity between South Africa and Arab culture but the similarity between all cultures and it's it's been so nice like um, that and and like I said I do I found that the um, Arabic culture is very similar to I, I can't speak for all South Africans but kind of a, sort of how I grew up it's very similar in the it, it's not a confrontational culture. You know, when you hear people speak Arabic, like you were saying about your province and people speaking loudly, you <laughs> think they're fighting, but they're not. It's just the tone of the language. But um, mm -hmm. they also not confrontational. You know, they believe in, they call it the gentle way um, of trying to resolve conflict, like sitting together and talking. And um, in South Africa, there's this word meaning Ubuntu, which um, translates into I am because you are, sort of that we're all connected in a community. And I find the Arabic cultures uh, emulates that very closely. You know, they're a community. They believe in solving problems together, coming together, mm -hmm. talking things out, um, you know, 
and and I, you know it took me a while to see those similarities but it's such a nice thing is that you know you 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 put your ego aside and everyone sits together to try and so, sort out a problem oh. you know and um I think that's really nice because South Africans generally also have that sort of attitude of let's help each other out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, let's work together to fix this. And I found that here and yeah, and food, <laughs> I have to say. Is, um, but yeah, it's just the connectedness of it is is really nice. It's how people connect and how Arabic culture and I'm sure Filipino culture, South African culture. Um, also, you know, the food is generosity and love. It's I'm giving you a snack because I'm concerned about you. You know, I want to make sure you're happy, you're full, you're fed. Um, you know, you will not leave an Arabic person's house or office without mm-hmm. snacks or wow. having eaten something. My principal will watch me sort of no drink the tea because she says, I know you, Miss Malin, you're going to go run around at work. So first take your time and drink your tea and then go run around. Um, <laughs> so it's that connecting. And I think my grand used to do the same thing. She's like, no, no, no. Come now, first have your snack, have some tea, <laughs> look after yourself. And, uh, and it's so sweet when my sort of boss does the same thing. You know, I find it I find it very sweet. Wow, they're so hospitable. Very. No, look, you cannot fault uh, Arabic hospitality at all. Uh, I've, 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 yeah, I've, I've met people where it's a student of mine and they'll just say, oh, have you ever been to like uh, someone's Emirati's house for barbecue? And I'll go, no, not yet. They'll say, okay, come Friday night. bring your kids (laughs) and they will be at this house people barbecuing and tons of food so much food and and, you know the cousin will bring his falcon for the kids to look at and uh, Mm -hmm. and they're so and I I find what's really nice is the Arabic culture maybe especially because my city is a little bit smaller um, is the love of kids like they absolutely adore children and they will go out of their way to, you know, make sure the kids have a candy and are happy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, they, they really, they're so kind to kids. It's, it's, it's amazing. My husband uh, was very shocked, but we just moved here. My daughter was two years old and um, he was sort of pushing her in the shopping cart around the shops. Mm-hmm. And as he left, this sort of older Arabic guy came up to him and he's like, no, for the baby, for the baby. He didn't really speak a lot of English. <laughs> and my husband's like, oh, what's wrong? And he said, and he pulled out this giant candy bar, which is probably as big as my daughter was at that point. <laughs> and he hands this <laughs> to my little two-year-old, who was very happy. Um, because he's just like, he's just like, no, I saw this baby. I thought she's cute. Yeah, I have this uh-huh. giant candy bar. I don't know you. And they are, they're, they're very much like that. They're very sweet and uh, very generous and very hospitable. Extremely, extremely. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Wow. I Just with your stories, I can see similarities as well uh, mm. here to where I live. So I live in Slovakia. And... Um, maybe they're not as friendly as the Arabs or, you know, the the Filipinos and other nationalities. But once uh, they see children as well, they really love the kids. Um, Mm. And when I'm in the store, randomly, I buy some stuff and then they will give me some cute stickers. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, what is this? Oh, uh, for baby, baby. So, yeah, again, (laughs) same situation. And yeah, I think they, they don't have this friendly faces. And unless we speak 
the the language mm. there's not gonna be a lot of connection in between us but if you try it brightens up their faces and they're like oh you speak slovak so there's a little bit of this connection and i see that in i think in you know each country it's there's this small connection and then suddenly you're cool <laughs> yeah it definitely arabic is you know i've been here for eight years and i speak very little i speak the I, i was getting better and then with the pandemic we were online for two years so mm-hmm. then i didn't speak arabic at all and i kind of lost a lot of it <laughs> trying to win it back but it's a notoriously hard language to speak uh-huh. but like you say just learning good morning how are you yes. basic words you know uh, please and thank way. you and all that it makes such a world of difference just that you're trying mm-hmm. it, you know is um You know, I think we're always so scared to speak a different language because we're worried we mess it up. Exactly. <laughs> you I, know? I felt the same. And I, I was initially scared to speak Arabic because they've got a lot of sounds, which is only in Arabic. I still can't really make them sort of back <laughs> of the throat sort of sounds. And um, I I was always so scared to speak Arabic because I was like, I can't make these sounds and they're just going to laugh at me. And, and And actually, I don't think, You know, they might have a bit of a giggle, but the, I think the appreciation of you trying is way more than you think it might be disrespectful to pronounce things incorrectly. I think actually the fact that you're making an attempt wins you have a lot more respect than, exactly. you know, yes. saying, oh, I'm going to keep quiet because I might not say it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's it's the same, really. I think a lot of uh, people, you know, expats moving abroad encountered mm-hmm. these challenges. But the good thing is that we are trying. <laughs> Definitely, definitely, yes. definitely. So, yeah, as a as an expat and you know, as a teacher, what is your advice to people who want to pursue their dream at you know thirty, or let's say move abroad at the age of thirty? You know, what would be your advice? You know, my advice would be definitely uh, like do your research because it's the modern age. Um, but I would say definitely do it. I've this has been I I have to say. I told my younger cousins always, you should go teach now when you're young. <laughs> go overseas and teach. But I also have to say, I've worked here with uh, teachers because when I moved here, the government here was only hiring teachers with at least 10 years experience. Oh. So we were a lot of older people coming to teach, you mm-hmm. know. And um, I've met people who came here at 50, you know, or 55 to just teach five, six more years to boost their savings before they retire. And um, I think definitely, I actually think the initial plunge is scarier when you're older. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, you know, being a little bit older, that comes with a lot of wisdom. And it comes with a lot of, is this a big problem or a small problem? <laughs> I think when you're younger, small prob- all problems feel big. Where, with, with age comes... the the ability to go okay this is smaller um and i think moving with uh, your kids or your family also makes you stick it out more <laughs> which mm. which is sometimes needed you know um there were times i remember my, during my first year at some point my husband's like should we just go home are you are you unhappy are you sad like is this too much for you um but i stuck it out and i'm very happy i did but i'd say if you're older a, a do your research always when you're moving to another country and you're taking a, a different job but i'd say definitely there's nothing is too old you know i was speaking to a guy two, three days ago who moved to Mauritius at 60 and is working wow. online 
uh, living in Mauritius. So I think there's no such, I think we tend to think, oh, travel's for younger people. Travel is something you do before your life starts, you know. Um, I'm from the age where people took gap years. Um, you know, with my brothers, we're a little bit older. People would go to England or whatever for a year, work on a farm or on the kibbutz or somewhere, and then go back home and start their real life, their adult life. And I think the world isn't like that anymore. You know, don't say travel is moving is for young people. No, when you're older, it's so much better because you appreciate it. You know, <laughs> you appreciate everything where when you're younger, you're like, yeah. It's nice <laughs> when you're older, you really appreciate and you have the wisdom and the sort of insight to really uh, go for it and experience it. So I'd say like, if even if you're 65, go have the adventure. Mm -hmm. Just have <laughs> Definitely fun. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. And I'm sure a lot of people at this uh, age like myself <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I also worry about that sometimes but like you said it's never too late and just have fun and you know you have a lot of wisdom with you and I think we just need to find the courage from within right mm, definitely definitely yes. so thank you very much Meline I'm very happy to have you here and I hope you guys have learned a lot from her <laughs> And thank you so much for inviting me. It's been really great having a chat with you. It's been wonderful. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening in to today's episode. I appreciate the time you took out of your busy day to join me in this conversation. I want to keep sharing stories that will help us to keep moving forward in life, no matter how scary or unfamiliar the situations might be. With that, it would mean so much to me if you can drop me a review in your chosen platform and follow me on my Facebook page, Small Girl Abroad. So tune in and enjoy!